I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we caught up on some crazy off podcast stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. How are you holding up during COVID? Pretty good. Uh, things are definitely in New York, at least, changing quite a bit, at least in Rochester. I mean, most businesses are open now. Um, it's wear a mask everywhere. Uh, we went to Lowe's on Saturday to buy some stuff, and that was extremely overwhelming. There are way too many people at Lowe's for my comfort level um, with the current situation. But, I mean, Rochester's doing pretty good. We're on a, we're on a decrease. Other states definitely are not. No, this right. So New York is like low numbers, the lowest number of deaths, the lowest number of new cases. It seems like we're and Rochester, Monroe County never got too too bad. So it's like okay, when can we start feeling kind of secure? But now, yeah, now we're hearing that Arizona and Florida are the Arizona spikes. Well, I mean, I'm sure you saw your brother snaps. He was out at like bars today in Virginia. So, so here, here, I yesterday was the first time I went out to a bar. I, we did happy hour after work, and we went to a bar downtown. And when we got we got there right after five because it's really close to work, we just walked over and. You couldn't go in the bar unless you were wearing a mask. There were about three or four people sitting in the bar, but they were all sitting several seat spaced uh, away from each other. And then they had outdoor seating. So we sat outside. The tables were not completely six feet apart because there just is not enough room on the sidewalk. But they're like normally spaced. And so everyone who was sitting at tables, you can take off your mask. So it, it's the craziest thing because we've gone months where the only thing I've done is I go to the grocery store and I wear my mask and <laughs> I get my hand cart wiped and I get my uh, hand sanitizer four times while I'm in the store. Um, so, yeah, last night and then today we did um, lunch uh, out because I was off and then Kayleen got off work early and oh this funny I got up from the table and I went to the bathroom and I didn't even think about it I didn't have I didn't put my mask on oh no when I walked. and the manager came right over to me when I came out of the bathroom and said sir if you get up from the table again you must put on a mask and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even think about it because you just kind of get used to if you're okay to sit at the table with no mask. Like, I was just, like, ran quick to the bathroom. Yeah. No, they were strict. They're, no. Well, it wasn't the dragonfly then. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but I feel like we're going to hear a lot of those stories where the story is that Someone went out to the bar on one of the first nights, and they te- they had a positive case, um, and they had tons of people in there, no real social distancing, no masks, because you can't have masks and be drinking, and then the bar didn't take down people's names, so now we can't do contact tracing. Uh, I, I yep. just, I, I got my hair cut, and 
uh, last weekend for the first time since March. Um, and I had, they made me fill out paperwork. Well, it was just like a notebook, but you had to fill out your name, the time you were there, and your phone number just in case. Someone, someone Yeah, so they can do the contact tracing. Man, I told you, you come over, I would have given you a one all around. <laughs> would have been super simple. I got know. it. I know, I got it really short. <laughs> you got it really short, I see that. Yeah, well, it's real. you know, after my mistake, my beard's finally growing back, you know, and starting, it. it's looking, it's starting looking to get good. the beard back. That's um, good. Yeah, man, like, we have no plans on going out to restaurants or anything, but um, so, I think it was so sun- in the last few months... Have you only done like grocery store? And well, like... I mean, we've done takeout and Grubhub and stuff, okay. but we're not going to yeah. go s- eat at a restaurant, is what I mean. That's okay. what we have no plans to do. So, like Sunday, we did um, Tasha Japanese, and like we had a big lunch today. But Emmy's like, "What do you want for dinner?" And I was like, "Man, I could go for that Japanese again. Like, have <laughs> it delivered. It was so good. It was so so good." But yeah, we have no intention to go to, um, I mean, we've gone to some like stores as a family, but we're not going to go sit down and right. eat or anything. And, you know, yeah. could get real creepy and be the guy that starts carrying the measuring tape with you and be like, you're, you're not six feet away from me. Please get no. so, six feet away. So here, listen to this. So we were like, it's so nice out tonight. Let's go do dinner. And we went to the Pelican's Nest. Um, which is right on the lake. Yeah. Have you ever been? No, but I know what it is. Yeah, it's right right on the lake. They have a deck that normally all the seating is there. And we got there, and there were hundreds of people there. And they had put, it's a decently sized place, but their parking lot, they had put tons of tables just in the parking lot. But they had so many people it was impossible to be six feet away uh and almost no one was wearing masks because the rule is once you sit down you don't have to wear a mask but you're sitting so close to people and they gave us a wait time of an hour and 20 minutes so we didn't go we just left so i'll give i'll give you this you know the the science is still out on COVID. It's still so new that we don't know a ton about it. But it's right. it, one thing we are seeing, at least in New York, and it seems to be uh, showing true across the world, is if both people are wearing masks, the transmission rate is very low. Um, if the infected person is wearing a mask and an uninfected person is around them, it's a higher transition or rate but it's not super high if people aren't wearing masks that's when it gets bad right so we need to keep that six feet distance with the masks and i guess there's been some studies that are saying like well being outside makes a huge difference because the air circulates better so and yeah so i've heard being outside and i've also heard that heat might be playing the factor because the heat kills the virus quicker and it's not in the air as long. So being outside and if it's 85, 90, those are better conditions. But yeah, still, but Florida 
Arizona, I would presume, are hot states. So let's be clear, neither of us are doctors, and there's no medical advice coming from this. I think what it comes down to is it's not the heat that kills it. It's the um, sun, the UV rays kills it. UV rays, okay. So, you know, you're in Arizona where it's 110 degrees out. You're not standing outside in the sun, and that's why it's still spreading. People are going to bars. They're going to bars indoors. Because right. they're not making people sit outside like we are. Uh, and that's, that's where the spread's happening. And Florida never really fully shut down. So that's also where I think the spread's happening. Is people are inside. The sun's not there to kill it. Yeah, it might be 90. But if you're 90 in a dark bar, it's a right. lot different than 90 on the coast, on the boardwalk, like yeah. we were, you know. I- the Florida thing, I did. I saw it. their governor, he said that they've been open for, I think it was over six weeks or maybe eight weeks where they've been almost like completely open. And right, they never like 100% shut down like New York. But so his point he was trying to say is that it's not, this, the increases now is not necessarily since they've been open because they've been open so long. And if it was the opening, then it they should have had the big spike weeks ago. But maybe, I'm still thinking that even though people are opening, a lot of people like it are, like you've taken the position, right? You, you don't have, like in the foreseeable future, you're not going to be going out. Yeah. And that's what I was hoping when we went out tonight. I was like, hopefully no one's there. But It's too nice. Everyone's there. It's too nice, and I mean, we would have been with those people, but for it being way overly crowded. But, um, yeah, I guess people are just fatigued, but I don't know. Very crazy. You're locked inside your house all day. Yeah, and then, and which was okay when we were in March and April, and it was rainy and kind of cold, but now it's 85 and sunny, and everyone is like, I got to get out of this house. It's true. I see. Lowe's is very, I've seen Lowe's and Home Depot, and I'm sure a ton of people are doing uh, home improvement projects because they're at home. And that's what we were there for was home improvement project. Uh, You know, I'll I'll tell you the advantage of working from home, going first thing on a weekday morning, stores are still super slow. So Home Depot at like, eight o'clock on a Wednesday mm-hmm. way different than Home Depot at eight o'clock on a Saturday. Ooh, true. So that's true. Now especially since some offices are starting to have people back in or yep. other things, you know, drop my daughter off at daycare, hit the grocery store. Do it on the weekday. Avoid yeah. stores on the weekend is really what it's coming down to. That's true. Yeah, I feel like we're just our habits and our routines are just going to be so so changed from this and we're going to right we're going to make decisions on how we can go places that have less people uh, I, and i don't want to be like super paranoid but it's like we're trying to make conscious decisions to lower the risk of exposure yep yeah so it's, it's not like i'm scared sitting in the house but I'm just making conscious decisions to lower my risk. I'm washing my hands. I'm using a hand sanitizer. I'm wearing a mask everywhere. Um, 
trying to avoid the large crowds and maintain my social distancing, knowing that I still can get it. Uh, I, you can't eliminate it. But no, but you can lower your risk. Lowering the risk. And I feel like that's what I think we've, in, in general, at least our area, has done a fairly good job at that. Yeah. So before we move on uh, to what else you've been doing, I do have to make a quick comment about washing your hands. God, do I hate it. My hands are cracking like you would not believe. I found some good hand lotion finally, but, like, it sucks. Dude, it sucks. Okay, how do you know that you get to 20? When you wash your hands, what, do you count or do you sing a song? Because I saw some... some... Twinkle, twinkle, little star has been my... I that's a good one. I saw something and they said the happy birthday song is like twenty seconds. So yeah, I'm I, sitting there, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and just washing my hands. And so this is so ridiculous because now I think back and I'm like, I've washed my hands and I always wash my hands like really well and for longer than I thought most people. But like now that I'm actually singing a song every single time, I feel ridiculous singing happy birthday to myself every single time. (laughs) Well, you know, if you're at home, you can do the lazy thing and throw on like a YouTube video and look at what time you are at and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this YouTube video. And when it reaches one minute and 40 seconds, I know I started washing my hands at one minute and 20 seconds. Oh my God. You could do that. Yeah. Have, oh. have a song playing or something. Okay, 20 seconds. That's half a verse. <laughs> uh, so non-COVID stuff, what have you been up to? Um, Not much. Back to work. Um, and not much there. It's kind of back to routine. I mean, just taking the safety precautions. Other than that, like, we have we haven't done too much yet. We've been going outside and trying to read a little bit more just to get out of the apartment, get some sun. Um, oh, I did. Our apartment complex has a pool. Everything, even I want to say non-COVID stuff, but everything brings me back to COVID. Um, but like last summer, um, I went to our pool at our apartment complex a lot because you just sit down it's sunny i would read uh go in the pool and i had a call our apartment complex they haven't opened it they're like a month or they normally open it at memorial day so they're a couple weeks late and i called them and they're like we don't know if we're opening yeah we they had to get permission from the county health department Ooh. Um, yeah yeah apparently the state has delegated it to the local municipalities and our municipality it's going to be run through the county health department and so they have to get approval and when i googled it there was a news article from a rochester uh tv station that said that pool should be pretty safe and that chlorine may be good but i mean doing other type of stuff we haven't hiked and we tried to hike but we haven't done that recently. We've done, we've seen our family. So that's what it has changed in the last month. We have seen our immediate families and we've done socially distanced picnics. So the last Ooh. couple weekends, like, and we're probably going to do that this weekend for Father's Day. My, my grandmother's turning 97 on Sunday. 
and it's also Father's Day. So we're playing. So it's been very crazy to have uh, my Nana is 97 and she still lives alone by herself. So it's been a real struggle to try to be talking with her and making sure that people are visiting her. But like she is the risk of the risk because she's just older. Oh, yeah. And then and my dad is almost 70 and he has a lot of heart issues and health concerns. So he checks all the boxes for high risk too. So, but in these past few weeks we're doing socially distanced and I've dropped like dinner off to my Nana too, but we're going to probably do that this weekend. Six feet apart. Everyone brings a lawn chair. And everyone brings their masks. Yes. And uh, everyone like eats in their lawn chairs. Yeah, we uh we've started to kind of see family and interact a little bit. Um but like a lot of my stuff lately has been finding things to do during the downtime. So, we started rewilding part of our backyard, so I'm still working on that. Okay, explain the concept of rewilding, because you you have told me that you're okay. rewilding, and here, my assumption is you're just letting it go, but are you, are you proactively doing things, like planting certain things, or are you just like, is rewilding, like, I'm just not cutting the grass? So, it's a mix of things. I'm not cutting the grass in a certain portion of my yard. On top of that, we've put wildflower seeds into the backyard where we're not cutting the grass. So it's a mix of trying to get flowers to grow in there that encourage butterflies and bees along with not cutting the grass. And I'm only doing it for about five feet of my backyard. I'm still mowing the majority of my backyard. It's just the very back of my backyard. I'm rewilding it, so I'm watering it. But part of rewilding it was there was this ugly tree growing so i cut that tree down early on Mm -hmm. and there was a a branch growing in the ground so i used a sawzall to cut that out and i've slowly been using a handsaw to cut the branch which is about yay round into little circles and then yesterday we brought a couple of the little circles in and we painted them as an activity with Ness. Yeah. So today I cut a couple more of them and I learned my lesson and I sanded them this time because the paintbrush was getting stuck. Oh, so I did that. And then I've been doing a lot with uh, taking a lot of pictures and I'm started re-weed, uh, uh, re-reading um, American Nations, which is about the 11 different cultures that founded America and then I started a second podcast, too. A second podcast? Yeah. Look at you go. So I got this one where I have guests, uh, you know, every... I try to get it done three times a month, and it's just a variety of guests. And then one of my guests from this, we got really into politics, and he wanted to start a politics podcast. So we have started a politics podcast. We recorded episode zero the week of George Floyd's death. Uh, like that was the week we put out episode zero. So it was a lot about uh, the police and things that are going on. Right. And we are recording the official episode one on Sunday. And we're going to be talking about the Declaration of Independence 
uh, the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution up to, but not including, the amendments to the Constitution. That's going to be its own episode. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to cover. Oh, that's awesome. That's a lot of stuff Yeah, yep. going on. Yeah, so I, I reread the Declaration. I reread the Articles of Confederation. I reread the Constitution. Then we'll prep for episode two. And then uh, the podcast is called the Bull and Moose Tavern Podcast, named after the Progressive Party, the Bull Moose po- uh, Party, from the early 1900s. Um, so episode three, we're actually going to cover the Bull Moose Party platform of t- 1911, I think. So, Teddy. Teddy's yeah, uh, Teddy. Party. Teddy's party. That yeah. is where. Yeah. But the the whole, the secondary part of it is we pick a beer every episode and we also review the drink on it. Um, so it's a tavern that we are having a conversation oh, at. So Very, very cool. Yeah, so that's the other thing. Uh, so episode zero is officially out there. It took like three weeks from upload for it to be broadcast out to Spotify and Apple and all that stuff. Now that it's out there, it's going to take like a day per episode. But it took so long for the first uh, episode to actually get published. Okay. So. Nice. That's a lot. Yeah. How did how did you stumble upon the rewilding? Is this like, did you look into something and it's like uh, good for the environment and you just went for it? So it's something I've known about. It's something that people have done before. Um, there's definitely some people on my street that have done it. Okay. Um, and it, it's kind of been a big thing since the bee population has started to disappear. Like, right. hey, put flowers in your backyard again. If, you know, if you're not using your yard, put in pollen generating things to encourage the bees, help out the bees, help out the butterflies. Right. Um there's also an author I follow, Chuck Windig, uh, and he had some funny tweets early in lockdown that was, you know, hey, you know, this is the perfect time to stop mowing your yard and rewild it and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, our backyard has the wall for 590 in it. It's super loud. We don't really use our backyard. Yeah. And I, and it, it's what takes me the longest time to mow because our backyard is significantly bigger than our front yard. Right. So I'm just like, a little of this is laziness that I don't want to be spending the time mowing it. Yeah. But the other part is it is environmentally a friendly thing to do. So that's how yeah, I started that. That's a great benefit. That should be it. It should be very interesting seeing how that goes and what well, how that like will it take over more or like will you start seeing more insects or other types of. Uh, lots and lots of bunnies right now has been the noticeable change. Bunnies? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And we had sense. a deer the other day. No way. Yeah. So I'm in the backyard. It's like 530 at night and I'm turning the sprinkler off from watering and I hear this sound from the neighbor's yard and I'm like, what the hell was that sound? And I look and in the neighbor's yard, there's just a deer staring at me and I'm like, Okay. And then the deer jumps into um, our yard and Emmy looks out and she goes, why are you just staring? I was like, there's a deer. So Emmy and Nessa come over and look at the deer and the deer sees us and bolts through our yard. And there's 
a fence on the other side of our yard, our neighbor's fence, tries to jump the fence, misses it, head butts <laughs> into the fence, falls down. I'm like, oh, did that deer just die? Got right back up, jumped that fence again. Oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, some deers. I saw not in our yard this morning, but in our circle, there was a fox this morning um, in the cool. circle. Um, there's been a couple woodchucks. So it, it it's seem. I mean, this isn't all within my yard, but it seems right. to be, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. having a little bit of an effect. Yeah, that's wild with the deer. It's gonna kick you. <laughs> I, I mean, I I've never been that close to a deer before, other than in a car. So I'm just right. going. Is this thing gonna run at me like a car? Am I gonna get into a fight with a deer right now? You are like, gonna lose that fight. Ten oh times yeah, ten. no, I, I was gonna get brutalized if the deer attacked me. <laughs> this whole, but oh, no, that's it's just, crazy. It ran off. So yeah. that oh, George being the homeowner. Oh, I guess that's one of the things we've been doing. We want to get a house, um, and. So we've been saving for a, a while now. There's a couple um, for sale in my neighborhood. Are there? We're going to have to look. Um, it, we're not 100% there yet, but hopefully by like the end of the summer. But I know a couple of people looking for houses, too. And the housing market apparently has not slowed down whatsoever. Um, I think it's going to see an uptick after all this because... People are going to be so tired of being in their house the entire time. They're going to be like, I just want to live somewhere else at this point. Yeah. I, and yeah. And and I think that people who live in apartments too. And I think we are part of this group where you're like, our apartment is a decent size, but it's kind of small and there's not much space to go. And we don't have any natural light, so it's pretty dark in our apartment unless we have, like, all the lights on. So we're almost all artificial lights, too. So it's just like, oh, we really love the house, and we've really noticed this now that we're at the apartment all the time when normally we'd always be working constantly. But now it's like, oh, it would be nice to have a little bit more space. Yeah, I definitely... Uh would like to add a couple windows in some areas of my house. <laughs> There's some areas that just do not get light oh. um, in my house. Um, so, Yeah, that's the thing. We have no real light. And our windows that are kind of where the sun is, we have this massive tree. So it's just dark yeah, all the time. But you don't get that light. No, and but I've been hearing stories that... Um, so, couple couples we know are looking for houses but there'll be like 10 offers and everyone is over list price um it's very very hot and there's been yeah a lot of houses in around us have gone up and they're sold within like two days it's nuts yep um the housing market in rochester has not slowed down and if things if we keep Handling things the way we are, Rochester's housing market probably won't slow down. Um, there'll be a winter slowdown, but that'll be pretty natural. I did see, I think so. I can't remember what article. Some magazine ranked Rochester very high in the post 
pandemic places to live because we had very low cases we had good hospitals and we were socially distanced and so yeah we've apparent whatever publication but i did see that being shared around social media that maybe will attract new people (laughs) i mean here you know we'll move on to the main topic for the week in just a second but i'll say this if remote work becomes as popular as i expect it to Places like Rochester could really thrive off the fact that we can be a place you can live. It's affordable. We have things to do. And who cares if your job's in New York City? You're working remote. It doesn't matter. It really depends on how this all affects long-term work from home. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's way more financially affordable here. So, so, and companies might like it too because you can save on that office space, uh, not having to have a desk for someone. Those big leases for those commercial spaces, no, no more. Those are your overhead is going now, way low. The commercial space retail industry is probably going to have a whopper of a dropout come down on it. Right. No, you're right. If the trend goes more work at home and the businesses try to save money with less physical space, right, that industry is going to take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Other industries will go up. That industry will go down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. That will be interesting, though. So let's move on to the topic of the week. And you brought this one. Uh, Yeah. I boiled it down to a single word of groupthink, but it's pretty much groupthink what you sent me, that when groups get together, beliefs become more extreme and centralized uh, without conflicting views in the group. Yeah, and so I looked up, it was, this is the definition, or I wrote this down from Psychology Today. Groupthink is a phenomenon that occurs when a group of well-intentioned people make irrational or non-optimal decisions spurred by the urge to conform or the belief that dissent is impossible. And it's so they went on to talk about group members may value harmony and coherence above critical thought. So I think group thing ha- think has always been a thing. Um, It's been a survival mechanism. You know, you never want to be the social outcast. Um, You know, even the outcast in um, small, like, villages was not a good thing to be. So you conformed to the people that were around you. Yeah. As we became more global, people's views were challenged more often than they used to be. Um, and groupthink started to appear on statewide, countrywide, and even global levels. Um, I think we see this happen a lot today. Uh, we'll we'll get into it, I think, as we talk about groupthink. But I think um, that Facebook has been really dangerous to this because you can put yourself in, I'm going to use another buzzword here, an echo chamber 
to only be with people that believe what you believe, which puts you into a even further uh, dark hole of believing what you believe and just keeps reinforcing your beliefs to you because you're not challenging them. And it hurts. uh, You know, it's really helped with the conspiracy culture because those people who want to be social outcast or are social outcast can find a conspiracy to latch onto and form a group around that. Um, You know, the flat earthers are a great example. Um, And that is heavy groupthink to the point that there was a great documentary about the flat earthers where a group of flat earthers proved the earth was round (laughs) and they denied it because it didn't fit into their, their assigned belief system. It was non-scientific. It was, we want to believe this and we'll be outcast if we don't believe it of our own group. So we're going to keep believing it. Yeah, super, super interesting. And you're right. Social media, and I've read a couple articles, and they're doing more and more research into social media. And there have been a couple books, too. Maybe I'll pick up a couple books. I think one was called Influence. So they're talking about, like, Facebook is a good example with they write their algorithms. So you're, you get more content that they think you're going to like and share. So it reinforces the group thing. If you are following certain things, like if you, for example, if you're following Fox News, then you're going to get more things similar to that. And your views then become more extreme. They get reinforced. Everyone agrees with this. And then reinforced, reinforced, and then it gets more extreme and it, it it's the same facts not only Fox news but if you're also on the other side you're like get like vox or i think there's like mother jones and vice and like huffington post it's the same mentality that you guys the group think aspect is that right they said well intentioned but it's like okay I'm just going to conform or one of the articles was talking about it's your you are more prone to agree with people because if a lot of people agree then you just immediately think okay well that's right if yeah. if, if the majority of people or a big group of people agree with this then your first instinct is just you're like okay that's right that agrees so if you're only being exposed to certain groups you automatically think that's right and you're not always critically thinking and you're not always getting all the viewpoints or and it it says like you might just agree because you think dissent is impossible so you're not even thinking and being critical about your own position you're just like okay the group thinks this therefore that must be right and and that social media is now we have more communication with humans than ever before. And this is, if you have certain algorithms that are only publishing or or only putting things on your news feed or stuff like that, that reinforce your own beliefs and aren't giving different ports of view, crazy. It, it, It drives polarization. 
Yeah, so I think there's a couple things, at least in the United States, that have led to this. Um, so one thing I want to draw the attention to is the FCC's Fairness Doctrine. Um, this was a policy that was introduced uh, in like the early 1950s and was eliminated in sometime in the 1980s. Um, and what it really said was if you were giving 10 minutes to someone to share their viewpoint, you had to give 10 minutes to someone else to share the opposite viewpoint. So mm-hmm. you, you pretty much had to force people into hearing both points. Um, that was to kind of stop that polarization, that echo chamber. I think the other thing is Facebook. Um, you know, let, I think Facebook's a monster. It's incorporated <laughs> itself so deeply into our lives that it is hard to walk away. Um, but people should walk away. I've been trying to for a while. I still use Facebook Messenger, but I don't really go on the app itself. Um, I still use Instagram too, which Facebook owns. But yeah, let's be honest. You are the product on Facebook. You advertisers are buying you on Facebook, and Facebook makes money based on the time you spend on Facebook. And how many of those ads you click? Well, if Facebook shows you something that challenges your worldview, you're more likely to hit that X button and walk away from Facebook for the day. So they don't want to challenge your worldview. So they're going to only show you stuff you agree with, which is going to push you more and more and more to an extreme because they need you to stay on. They need to get the ad money from you seeing ads on it. Um, social media is a monster that has very badly hurt the world and very much changed the world. I agree. And well, it's been so good in some aspects and it's been so bad. And we're, we're really just still, still figuring out if the positives or the negatives will outweigh. And I also, I gotta say, Reddit. I know we're both fans of Reddit, but Reddit is definitely guilty of the same thing. Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, uh, (laughs) Instagram. uh, Throw them anyone, anyone out. Any one of those things, if you're not paying for the product, you know, it's there to drive you to an extreme in some way. My God, I feel like Reddit, uh, a lot of times the comments um, in some of these stories, it happens a lot in the news or any of the politic ones. It's just like the top posts are just all the same viewpoint over and over. And it's just it's just patting themselves on the back of, oh, this article said this and oh, that's absolutely right. And it's just every comment is. It's just like, absolutely, that's correct. Absolutely, that's correct. It's just one viewpoint and then just tons of people agreeing or uh, it, it's the same It's the same thing. Um, yeah, uh, so I was like, I was, I came across a couple articles and then when I proposed this topic, I was like, man, I should be really looking into this. And there's a ton of stuff out there and a lot of research has been done for years and a lot of research right now has been focusing on social media but i was like wow like i keep seeing like all these social issues come up 
and then we are in a waterfall effect. So, something happens, and there's huge reactions on these social issues, and it seems like like something happens in every business is publishing something in support of some of a social cause. And it's just, you're just like, wow, this is like almost immediate. Like we hear, heard this yesterday and now the next day, everything's changed. All the businesses have agreed and you're like, wow. And I, I was like, wow. And then I was reading these articles that are explaining this and they're just like, look, this is group thing. And people are like, okay, someone said this, this makes sense right off the bat. We're not going to be super critical, but we're going with it. We're going with it, and everyone agrees. And then once everyone agrees, you're like, oh, then I, you can't propose a, a counter or a dissent or criticize or critique because everyone agrees. And I mean, I'm guilty of the same thing. If I see this, art, if something comes up and five of the major publications or all the news are talking about it one way i'm like okay yeah that makes sense that's right that's right i can't believe if, if that is if anyone holds a different viewpoint <laughs> yeah i gotta say i i'm starting to get frustrated with cancel culture um because i think it's groupthink brought to an extreme and i'm not gonna go out and say that these people that it it, it they go after are not bad people, mm-hmm. but I think it's become this concept now where if someone says something I don't agree with and I want to do something about that, I can go on Twitter. I can dig up some old tweets from 10 years ago um, and say, well, look at what they said 10 years ago. We should cancel them. And a, a bandwagon starts to jump around that and bring people down. And I think it's non-political who uses this cancel culture. I think both sides use cancel culture against each other. Oh, um, yep, yep, yep. Al Franken got, you know, canceled. And yep. that was started by a right-wing campaign. Um, Tucker Carlson's losing sponsors right now. And that has been started from the left side. Uh, based around some of the things Tucker said. Now, I will give you Tucker has said things recently. Yeah. We, we are not going and digging out Tucker's uh, comments from 10 years ago. We're digging out his comments from two nights ago yeah. to yeah. attack him. But it, it's that same group think that is coming into play in those areas. Yeah, and it, it's just like reading it. It was like, you know, it's psychology today was they said it's well-intentioned people and it's well-intentioned people making irrational or just the non-optimal and i think a lot of the times i think they're this and i'm sure this is studied or being researched and talked about it also has a lot to do with i think we want instant gratification we're we're not the most patient uh, people anymore because everything is now. I want it now. So it's like if if there's a couple people agreeing, I'm good with that. And non-optimal, ah, it's the first one though. If it's the first one, I want something done instantly and maybe it's not the most optimal decision and maybe if we spend a little more time and contemplation 
on other options, maybe we would find a better solution. But I mean, I think as a combination, you have the group think, and then you have now where we need everything right now. We need stuff done right now. And that echo chamber just falls into that too. The fact that, you know, you don't need to challenge your beliefs. Um, on Reddit, you can block uh, or not subscribe to the subreddits you don't want to see. On Facebook, you cannot be friends. You can just delete friends that you don't like their content. On Twitter, you can mute or block people you don't agree with. And I, I'm I'm not saying these management tools are bad. I think they serve their purposes. Um, if there's someone spamming Twitter with hate speech, you should be able to report and block them. But on that same note, it helps to build the echo chamber where you only can need to follow the people you want to follow. I definitely agree. So I was thinking one of the things after reading some of these articles um, was like, I need to do this for myself to make sure. Because one of the articles was discussing you have to have um, expose yourself to more viewpoints. And I'm like, that's true. Because I know, you know, some people, they're like, I follow Fox News, I follow Breitbart. I don't do New York Times because that's fake news. And then, you know, the people who are on MSNBC only, I'm Fox, I'm Morning Jones, I'm Vice. I don't follow Fox News because Fox News is crazy. And I mean, those aren't the best sources, I wouldn't say. But I'm thinking of, I need to make sure that I'm exposing myself to different viewpoints so i so i'm trying to find other good publications good sources that have high quality content i don't i'm not looking for the talking heads on cable tv for viewpoints i don't i I, those guys are just in it for the the clickbait the likes the shares the the revenue I'm looking for really thought-out publications. Well, I, I can't say that they're all really thought-out, nor are they publications, but may I recommend um, a, a smorgasbord out of podcast. NPR has a pretty good politics podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for a left viewpoint um, uh, Obama's former guys, uh, Pod Save America, is a, a de- decent left side view. If you're looking for a more moderate uh, view, I like um, Abe Lincoln Top Abe Lincoln's Top Hat by Ben Kissel. He's uh, from the last podcast on the Left Network. Uh, I don't have a right view podcast. Um, I think one of the areas I used to challenge my beliefs a little bit was listening to Joe Rogan, but I think he's gone a little off the rails recently. Yeah, Joe, yeah, right. He is not... He, I want to call Joe a right-sided uh, guy. Or a more, he had people... 
I don't agree with on. He, Th- yeah, that's, that's what true. I would say. He has um, a, a, a diverse array of people. Yeah, so, um, and then, I mean, if you're looking for just more of a history podcast that will go into politics, um, I am a huge fan of Behind the Bastards by Robert Evans. He's currently doing a series called History of the Police um, to tell us where police forces come from. And actually, on that note, again, more left-leaning from both of them, but Worst Year Ever and um, Some More News are two good ones. Um, When it comes to reading sources, I kind of use Reddit as an aggregator, and... I'm using Reddit wrong. I will tell you this. I, I, I try not to read the comments anymore. I yeah, go yes, to politics. Yeah. I go to rising and I read the articles. Okay. That are there. Um, yes. But I only filter by rising. I don't filter by popular. Uh, okay. I, I look at what is actively being upvoted. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a news aggregator. Um, and there are certain publications that end up on there that I will skip because I do not trust them. Like Breitbart, Breitbart yeah. uh, will end up there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, oh, there's there's another one that's kind of iffy that can be on there. Um, that's a more left-leaning source, but I forget what the name of it is right now. Um, but yeah, I think... People don't want to challenge their beliefs. I know. And see, I think that is the biggest takeaway I have taken from this is that you have to take proactive steps to challenge. I mean, it's challenging yourself and it's more difficult and it's more work. It's so much easier to just not and say, I'm right. But there, I mean, I don't. I think, like, I don't know enough yet. I need to keep learning and reading. And, yeah. The problem is you're intelligent. (laughs) You're different (laughs) than a lot of people. I'm sorry, that that sounded horrible. But there are people out there that, you know, they just want to see what they want to see and don't want to ever challenge their beliefs. I think... uh, in, in my politics podcast, that's one of the goals that we're trying to achieve. Um, my co-host on that, Aaron, is more right-leaning. I'm more left-leaning. Mm-hmm. We're both probably closer to moderates. Um, but it, it, it's to try to give those both views. I'm very interested to see how Sunday turns out discussing America's founding documents. Because um, I think we're both going to bring some interesting stuff to the table. But... It's hard. And, you know, I'm I've made this mistake before, Um, especially when I was on Facebook. I used to fall into that echo chamber a lot more. I posted some stuff that I was posting to get likes or when I talked to someone who may not agree with me, I understood why what I said on Facebook sounded bad or like I was criticizing them um, when maybe that wasn't what I was going for or I kind of let the fervor take a hold of me. The The big one I can think of is there was, you know, back in three years ago when I was still on Facebook and 
Trump was just coming to power. There was something going on about Confederate flags and how a bunch of Trump supporters have Confederate flags. And I made a comment about how, well, yeah, the Confederate flag or the Confederates lost and Trump supporters love losers. So that's why (laughs) they love the Confederate flag. And, uh, you know, we had I had some Trump supporting friends that are like, so you think I love losers? And I'm like, no, I, I know you. I don't. But OK, I understand why that came across poorly. This was a, a, a nice zing for humor. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice zing for humor, but yeah. it, it definitely came across poorly. And. I, I understand how that echo chamber builds too, and how I think another big problem with the group think and you know echo chambers is social media doesn't have emotion behind it. It is just text. And emotion is a key sense in conversation. And you can't put that across online. And in certain areas of online, you can be, anonymous so you can even be spiteful in your text and just hide and i think we need to find a way to bring uh emotion into social media i know one thing twitter's trying is you are actually going to be able to record tweets now and it will put no text to it it will just be your recorded audio so it's going to become an audio log captain's log tweet <laughs> uh january or june 19th i saw a bird today <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting and a lot of people are now having like the AirPods or whatever they're called their the headphones in so that could be very popular and i do i think another problem lack of emotion and also just a short space because you can only say so much. Is it 140 or 160 characters? Uh, Twitter is now up to 240. I think they used to be, they were 160 a year, year and a half ago. They upped to their character limit. Um, I know Instagram and Facebook allow you to just do. Yeah. yeah. You can write novels. on. No, 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 you can't because no one clicks see more. (laughs) I I mean, you, you could write it. Yeah. <laughs> is anyone going to read it? It's a different no. story. If I have to scroll, and that and that is, if I have to scroll on my phone to keep reading a post, I lose concentration. That my short attention span now, which and that is a huge factor because if now we have group think, and then we have just short snippets of on big social issues that are complex that have many many different things to discuss to work through viewpoints to consider and it just doesn't come across in the tweet or and in the replies and the back and forth becomes one sentence two sentences and then it just gets it's not well thought out and i guess in the thing it always goes back to like if you want well-researched things and you want to spend time actually learning probably it's time because it will take you a long time. I was just, I read a book before How to Read a Book by, I think his name is Morton Adler, written way back, I think in the 30s or 40s. And one of their, in describing reading, 
I think they, I think it's called analytical reading, and it's their highest form of analytical reading. And it's not actually the form of reading. It's analytical reading is reading multiple things in the same subject area. So it's not just reading one article. I feel like I did a very cursory review of the group think I read a few articles, but like analytical reading would be reading books on the same subjects from multiple authors, reading multiple uh, articles or podcasts or looking at lectures. And it just goes back to if you want that full understanding, it's time and super. You bring up a valid point a little bit on how we read today. Um, So I want to take a moment here and talk about some things I've learned about myself with reading and learning things. First of all, if I'm reading fiction, I can read fiction on a cell phone. Mm I cannot read nonfiction on a cell phone. I have learned I can read nonfiction on a 10-inch tablet, Mm -hmm. but physical media is still the best way. And that is because when I'm reading nonfiction... I'm reading to learn and I like to highlight um, and sometimes take notes. Uh, Physical media is the best way to do that. A tablet is a pretty decent way to do that. I've downloaded a handwriting um, input for my tablet, which has made taking notes easier too. Um, But I don't think most articles online are not written in a cohesive way to read them. Um, first of all, infinite scroll is a horrible way to read. Um, if they had pages where like you could read up to a point and you had to flip the page, it would be better. I get it. It's a website. You don't want to keep reaching out to the server to load the next page to, you know, do that. So you put an infinite scroll. Um, if you're reading articles online on a phone, pop-ups are horrible. Yeah. So that, that's another thing. And they have made it harder to consume information in general, too. Yeah. You want small tidbits that you identify with that aren't hard to read. Well, that that is not how you challenge a belief. No, right. Yeah, it's just one thing like compounds the problem, too. One thing after the other, which... We're just, and I, I feel like I, I see so many conversations now over social media or even on like news programs and, and it covers politics, social issues, anything where these issues are just compounded where sometimes you're like, mm, I don't know, maybe that's right, but maybe if I actually had a little more time to look into it. Maybe there's different viewpoints, or maybe there's maybe that point is right, but there's like a caveat or a carve out or like a contingency on that. Um, yeah, it's just, it, I feel like it's compounded. So I do think, you know, I'm going to try, try to challenge myself. Oh, you were talking about a podcast, Left, Right, and Center, uh, NPR. See, I'm, I, I rely on NPR a lot. I, that's what I listen to. A lot in the mornings when I'm driving into work, I go on NPR. Uh, 
I, the app and their website to get news because it's always free and there's no subscription, so I've cheaped out. Um, but I do, I was just, I was listening to the Flipping Stations and it was, I, I can't remember, it was on Flam. It was a conservative who said like NPR what should be like defunded and it was a liberal socialist communist uh loving bob lonsberry it wasn't wasn't bob michael savage yes it was michael savage okay yes I don't uh, know who he is. You, you got to understand, I came from the world of listening to conservative radio. I never listened to Bob, but uh, I was a Michael Savage listener, a Glenn Beck listener, oh. and sometimes a Rush listener. So I know I know <laughs> that side. I just don't listen to him like I used to. Right. I, that, uh, I wrote Glenn Beck when I was 17. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, that's true. But I, I like to write left and center. And I think they got, I think one of the guys writes for the National Review, which I think that's a magazine or, or used to be a magazine now website that's a, a conservative point of view. Actually, I do, I like Politico. And maybe I. Politico's I, pretty good. And they have writers who are writers on the National Review, which so those are kind of conservative. So they, they have, it seems like they have a blend where they have different writers come on that are like contributing. So I did like, I do like them, but I think going forward, I'm trying to have a concerted effort um, to expand viewpoints or at least have access to different. Part, I want to. I do want to get a subscription to the New York Times, so I do want to get that. But I think I need to um, try to have a balance. Go for that balance. Yeah, um, and it's really hard in politics today. Politics seems super polarized. Um, I really do like Abe Lincoln's Top Hat by Ben Kissel. He. Yeah. Um, I'll check that out. He is left leaning. He used to be a Fox News contributor, and he was their left contributor, which, okay. I mean, being left on Fox News, he wasn't that far left, but yes. he was definitely left. Um, but uh, he was, you know, he, he brings some very interesting uh, viewpoints to the table, um, I think, and he's definitely left-leaning, but I think more center, um, more independent than anything. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're looking for that, that's one podcast I can recommend. Um, reading sources, not so much, but I think that's yep. just also how we read. I don't like reading articles on my cell phone, Thanks. and I can't carry my tablet. Actually, I want to try, uh, for my next cell phone, I want to try the Samsung Note and see if going to the, the next yeah. one up, and that has the pen, and yep. hi- you can highlight with the pen, and stuff. I want to see if that makes a difference. Um, I agree. These are going to be so interesting things. I'm sure there's got to be a lot of studies on how we process information through the cell phones. Because you're right. It's smaller, which means we're not reading longer stuff. The phones are more susceptible to these quick tidbit informations, quick 
stories. We don't want to be scrolling. So yeah, it definitely will be interesting to see how we process and comprehend stuff. Maybe the bigger screen will help. You know what I would be interested to see is if someone came out with a paper white cell phone that was minimal feature, had some texting, um, cell phone, and Kindle ability to read news and stuff, but didn't have any of those uh, games or anything and was in that that Kindle paper white looking almost like paper form. That would be an interesting uh, concept. Yeah. That's true. That's true. No, no Skype. <laughs> you know, maybe no Skype. I'm on my computer. I know you're on cell. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's ways to Skype though. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So I think the one other thing I want to cover with group think with you, when you brought this up, you know, one of my places I went to was uh, the current conspiracy culture that's out there. Um, and how much of that is groupthink? I, I, that Netflix documentary about the flat earth was just, I think, absolutely amazing. And it really went to show groupthink. Uh, they, they were interviewing one of the guys and he's like, he, this isn't an exact quote, but he's like, so what if I started believing the earth was round? All of my friends would disown me, the group that I know, the people I know, they would all turn against me. So it almost sounded like he actually knew the earth was round, but he couldn't know the earth is round. Um, But I I think that that there's a danger in group thing, especially around some of those conspiracies out there, because you can have a base level understanding of group think and think it's government control. And then you become an anti-vaxxer because you're like, no, I understand groupthink. And you have been made to believe by the government that vaccinations are good for you when they're really giving your children autism. My group, which is not in groupthink at all, believes vaccines are bad. So I think that's the same thing with groupthink. And it's a dangerous level, too. Uh how conspiracies can take hold. Um, there's some really uh, dangerous conspiracies out there with Q and um, they're all heavy groupthink happening. That's a great point. Cause like my initial thought was groupthink is that it's the majority of people. And you're like, okay, if most people agree with it, then that's, what everyone go, is going to agree with it but the group can vary in size so if you're only associated with the conspiracy group that's your group yeah even if, even if you're a minority but it's the majority of the group you're in and that you identify with and you're right it's anti-vax i i just i don't know i know there's some people take issue with the science and stuff but that's going to become very very dangerous especially if people um aren't going to do the vaccinations for covid if we get to a point where this becomes a reoccurring cycle like the flu and i think i saw one study that was saying like one in five people are now questioning vaccinations if you if the only way to get rid of covid is to have everyone get vaccinated but you have 
10, 15, 20% of your population who is anti-vax, I mean, and who won't get it, you won't be able to eradicate it. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. That is what it comes down to. At the same time, though, we have to make sure we have a safe vaccine and we don't rush it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want us rushing out a vaccine that is going to cause more people to die. Um, If it's going to give us mutant superpowers, sure, rush it out. Let's bring superpowers. Any any mutant superpowers? I mean, it'll be random based on your DNA. We're going to be like the X-Men. Like, there might be that person who can, like, turn invisible next to the color yellow. And then that other person who can shoot fire from their hands. Um, You know, let's go full on 2020. Bring superpowers. I mean, things are just getting worse. Why not a war of superpowered humans to end out the why not the X-Men? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So uh, do you got anything else on groupthink before no, we move on? No, we've checked all those boxes. Very we, we, interesting topic. It, yeah. And I think we agreed too much. I think we started groupthinking oh, while talking man. about groupthink. We're guilty of groupthink. Oh, no. And now all my listeners are going to believe what we just told them. So they're going to be brought into the group. Um, oh, my gosh. They have to conform. Let, let's move on to the uh, second topic of the week, and that's our conspiracy supernatural corner. I'm, invo- I, I'm evolving this to not be all conspiracies. It can be supernatural items. Uh, it can even be mythological items. So I want to talk a little bit about werewolves this week. I don't know. <laughs> What inspired it? I think I was thinking about Young Frankenstein and that line in it, werewolf, werewolf, no, werewolf. Um, so do you, I, I don't believe in werewolves. Let's start with that. Uh, so we're okay. just talking about the concept of werewolves and the myths and where they came from. What do you know about werewolves? What can I kind of bring you up to speed on? Uh, very little. Just, I think I've seen them in movies. Okay. I, have, I have zero background. All right. So there's a couple versions of werewolves out there uh, yeah. that kind of exist. There's the werewolf, skinwalker, and the windigo. Uh, they're all forms of the same kind of thing, uh, where it is someone who transforms into this monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your traditional werewolf is on the full moon. They got bit by a werewolf. And they turn into, or they got bit by another werewolf, they turn into the werewolf, and for that night, they cause terror to the village. Yeah. Uh, the Windigo Skinwalker, uh, Windigo is a much darker story um, where it's, you know, when food becomes scarce and you revert to cannibalism and once you eat human flesh you're kind of infected with this monstrosity and you become this monster uh, that is a werewolf-esque thing and skinwalker is very similar with the ability of a little bit of a changeling where you can like change the way you look Uh, so that that is your stereotypical werewolves um but yeah, I wanted to talk about werewolves today. <laughs> I I like it. Okay, those are those are your like the movie ones that you get. The ones where 
full moon becomes werewolves. What inspired you to think the movie? Has... I, I, you know what? I think I was thinking about Young Frankenstein, and it made me think about werewolves. And, <laughs> you know, I thought werewolves would be a fun topic uh, for this. Uh, you know, I also, you know, subconsciously, uh, they announced a new Resident Evil game, and I saw the trailer, and it reminded me a lot of Until Dawn, which was a really good horror game on the PS4 uh, that was Windigos. Um, so I, there's been some werewolf things popping up that I think might have planted in subconsciously. I was browsing Hulu, I think, the other day, and American Werewolf in London was on there. So uh, just subconscious werewolves. Yeah, because when you proposed the topic, I was like, Duel's going to try to propose that these are real. <laughs> nope, not proposing that werewolves are real. I think werewolves are mythological creatures um, that are stories of warning. And I think the story of warning across all of those is that people can change in certain conditions. And when people reach a breaking point, they can become monsters. Um, sometimes it's not within their control. When the full moon is out, they become a monster. Um, sometimes it's when they've reached that breaking point. They've eaten the flesh of another human, and now they are forever a monster. So they are tales of warning. Um, I, I can't say that I've ever heard a werewolf at night. Uh, maybe <laughs> Rochester just isn't you know, big on the werewolf culture. We don't have a ton of werewolves here. We're more of a vampire area. Who knows? <laughs> but... Could be, could be. We're going to have to go out west. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's where it came from, is just the concept of, you know, uh, I want to start bringing more myths, I think, into this uh, and talking about, like, m the mythology and stuff around creatures and stuff. Because you can only talk conspiracies so much, and in this day and age, they're not as fun as they used to be. No. Uh, I, that's true. I like them. Let's do bring up lots lots of mess some of that stuff it's it's very interesting and it's just it's entertaining yeah yeah i mean i love a good myth uh good you know i there's a lot to say about john, uh, john landis who made american werewolf in london uh and you know who he is and his director ways and that he killed someone on set in making the twilight zone, but American werewolf in London is an amazing horror movie. And then, uh, you know, you've got some great horror comedy out there around werewolves. Um, I'm thinking, um, wolf cop, I think is the name of the movie <laughs> where it's a police officer who is also a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a B movie and it's really <laughs> funny. Um, so I think, you know, they've kind of become a, uh, not so much a scary creature, but yeah. a, a joke too, but yeah. I, I think they're a fun creature and I think their, their mythological point is a warning to maybe not trust the people around you. Cause when the full moon comes out, <laughs> it turn into the beast. Um, I'm going to look up when the next full moon is. I'm going to be on the hunt. I'm going to go on the hunt. Well, make sure you have silver bullets because they cannot be hurt 
by other things other than silver. Their weakness is silver. So, silver, okay. Um, I'll, you know, I'll make sure I'm going to grab one of my silver bars that I keep in my closet and melt it down. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad to hear you're going to be making silver ammunition because you'll be prepared for werewolves then. <laughs> um, I don't know. Salting the door doesn't work for werewolves. That's, I think, a ghost thing. And so, and garlic is garlic the vampire. Gar- garlic's vampires. Oh man, okay, silver. What about the stake through the heart? Is that the will? That's werewolf? vampire. That's vampire too. Oh man, okay, silver yeah. is my only bet. How much silver is in a silver dollar? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe enough to to scratch them. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bank and get some silver dollars. <laughs> so according to the internet, uh. <laughs> Yeah, silver bullets is oh. the way to uh, kill a werewolf. Got it. Um, that that is the reference on um, how to kill a werewolf: three steps from instructables. <laughs> there Very... is a lot of how to kill a werewolf articles out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good to know. Good to know that there's a lot of good research out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, indigo, uh, windigos and stuff get a lot more creepier and scary than the traditional werewolf, especially since they're based around, like, they got changed due to cannibalism. Yeah. So. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, yeah. werewolfism is a disease, so it could be saying a lot about uh, what ancient people thought about diseases. So, oh, well, that's true. That's a whole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm quickly scrolling through uh, uh, the Wikipedia page on werewolf, and the very last entry is Nazi Germany, <laughs> and it was like, what? And apparently Nazi Germany used werewolf as the mythical creature's name is spelled in German as a code name for one of Hitler's headquarters. So, (laughs) and in the final days of the war, Operation Werewolf aimed at creating commando forces that would operate behind enemy lines as allies advanced through Germany. Oh, my God. So, Yeah. So uh, if you have a chance, though, you should watch, uh, I think it's called Wolf Cop. It is a very good, uh, yeah, Wolf Cop. I'll have to look it, up Wolf Cop. <laughs> it's a 2014 Canadian superhero film uh, about a cop who is a werewolf. Right. Um, I love how it's a superhero. It's it wasn't even a horror. It's like no, a no, it is not a horror movie at all. Is, so that is great. I'm gonna have to pull that out. <laughs> so that's werewolves. I don't really have anything much to say about them other than some history on werewolves and telling you about werewolves. <laughs> Here's this knowledge. There we go. Thanks. Share that knowledge, Jewel. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. now you need to go spread the knowledge of werewolves to more people or you yourself will become a werewolf. <laughs> So have you heard about werewolves? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about our Lord and Savior werewolves? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> silver. You're gonna need a lot of silver. 
silver crosses all over your house to keep the werewolf out. That's where I pull out my silver bars and start selling them at a high <laughs> high increase. Not market, not market cost. You jack those prices up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, when you're in a werewolf epidemic, yeah, supply and demand, baby. <laughs> yep, very true. Well, it was nice having you on again. It was uh, nice talking about groupthink. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I thought this was a great episode. We covered so much different stuff. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, we definitely have to do at least one more together. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to take a break. I've, I'm finding these are very cathartic to do during uh, downtime as a fun activity. But yep. during your time between, we should do another one. I'm yeah. down. I'm down. I will yeah. look up. And I, I did like the group thing. Maybe I'll look up another psychology uh, principle that we can discuss, a little theory or something behind that. Yeah, you bring a topic. I'll bring a fun myth. And <laughs> we'll just have a fun episode talking about that topic, and then we'll move on to that myth. I love that. Sounds like so. a good plan. All right. Well, so as we always know, I end with a quote. Uh, you know, I was thinking group think and it made me think 1984 for a quote and i wanted to go out there and find one of the not common 1984 quotes because you know you get those the same ones all the time uh from 1984 so i found this one and this will take us out the choice for mankind lies between freedom and happiness and for the greater bulk of mankind happiness is better that's a great, great summary. Great quote. Yep. Thanks for having me, Joel. Oh, you're welcome.